Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the SciBeat Podcast, where your host, award-winning author and cybercrime journalist, Deb Radcliffe, interviews hackers, coders, intelligence experts, agents, officers, cybersecurity pros, and other interesting harbingers, heroes, and warriors. These conversations are sure to get you thinking. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello, I'm Deb Radcliffe, editor of Shift Left Academy. With us is Bob Martin. We've known each other in the industry for more than 20 years. During that time, I've interviewed him around many important subjects that he's run initiative, uh, in an innovative frameworks around that he supervised at MITRE. Currently, he's the principal engineer over software supply chain assurance for the Cyber Solutions Innovation Center at MITRE Labs. He's also chair of the Industry IoT Consortium Steering Committee. He's here to answer questions about the IETF's supply chain integrity, transparency, and trust initiative, and the emerging frameworks to come out of that initiative. He will also talk about how these frameworks will affect buyers and developers of commercial software and embedded products. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Deb. Good seeing you. You too. So for my first question, can you explain the high-level goals set out in the IETF's Supply Chain Integrity, Transparency, and Trust Initiative? Sure. So, um, you know, I think it's a well-known, you know, thought that everybody is in a supply chain, um, but very few are at one end or the other. They're always in the middle. Um, and you're usually in many. So if we're trying to make supply chains more secure, more transparent, where we can actually trust them, we need an approach that doesn't come just because you're in a particular supply chain. It needs to be something that the industry and government and everyone can do And then no matter which supply chain they're in or what mixture of them they're in, they can actually, you know, bring these qualities to that supply chain. So it's an IETF effort to uh, define a couple of small items that would enable different organizations to connect to their suppliers or to their customers and do the right things to give them assurance about integrity, to make it visible what's going on, and to give them the basis of trusting that supply chain. Excellent. We've had a lot of discussion in the White House about supply chains uh, for a couple of years now, so it's good to see these kind of uh, efforts going forth. Now, you also are doing something there, a supply chain system of trust framework that you announced at RSA in June. It's it's supposed to identify and score risk and provide a common taxonomy for software, hardware, and service providers. How does this tie into the IETF's initiative and how will it support the resulting frameworks to come out of that initiative? Yep, Um, so um, since I only have one brain, they do fit. I I can't be working two things that aren't connected, right? Mm 
But basically, the system of trust effort is about the fact that um, there's no common language or description of supply chain risks. Um, and what that means is a couple different things. One, it means if you all of a sudden have to pay attention to supply chain risk, you're on your own to figure out what are those risks. Mm-hmm. And so one thing we want to do is give you a starting place that you can look now, given we want this to be a starting place for everyone, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big pile of risks that you may need to consider. But that's the other part of system of trust is a way of winnowing down to those that are you know, focused on the decisions you're going to make, the budget and time you have available, and probably the norms of your industry. So... Uh-huh. While this is going to be comprehensive, it's for any one thing you're doing, it'll be very small and and direct. So, but what are those risks? And how do I determine if those risks are present or not? Or has somebody mitigated them and I have evidence? So the work in SCIT with the IETF is to enable evidence about risks. So people make claims that they've done certain things. You have the evidence about that and you can make it available to your customer on demand. And so the idea is system of trust is all the things you should ask about. Skit is gonna enable many people to have answers when they get asked about those things. Excellent. And considering how complex that can be, um, we'll roll right into the next one. You've identified in your uh, system of trust 2,200 potential risks in the taxonomy. As a starting point. That's <laughs> As a starting point. And then it narrows down the field to just the areas you need to focus on. Can you give us a little bit of uh, information on how that would actually reduce complexity for organizations? Right. So um, let's say that I'm uh, uh, in private industry mm-hmm. and I'm, um, you know, running uh, a meat uh, department in a grocery store. Okay. So um, I'm looking for quality. I'm looking for timeliness. I'm looking for short, you know, uh, reliable transportation. Uh, I'm looking for records of inspections. I'm probably not worried about foreign influence of the owners of the meat packing company that ships me the food. Okay. So, you know, whereas if you are in, you know, a, you know, a Raytheon or a Lockheed Martin or somebody like that, Mm-hmm. Gee, I bet you you have concerns in those areas. So system of trust covers all of that, mm-hmm. both you know quality of product, and um, you know are the meatpacking people certified on good hygiene approaches? Do you have current inspections? But also things like you know do you vet your employees? Do you vet your uh, suppliers? that you know, somebody uh, supporting the DOD would have to do. So while we have all those things, you don't, because they're not gonna be part of your business area, 
you basically winnow down to a, we call it a profile. And as the community gets going, we hope that we'll have a lot of these profiles sitting there as a starting point so that you don't have to look at the whole pile. You can go look at some predefined, you know, sub piles. <laughs> I like how you're not just sticking to one industry too, so that every industry doesn't have to reinvent its own wheel. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, it's a, that's a big thing. We actually backed into that. You know, we started out pretty ICT, you know, software, hardware, network centric. But as we got talking to people about supply chains and as the pandemic rubbed our noses in all kinds of supply chain issues, we started thinking about what was in there. And he said, you know, this actually has an upper level uh, version that doesn't care about what business you're in. You know, you really do need to worry when you're talking about products, about malicious taint, mm -hmm. about good hygiene and um, counterfeits. And it turns out that no matter what industry you're in, it comes down to those three aspects of risk. Now, there's a lot of nuances, but you know, there's in domains or in industry specific. Like refrigeration systems, for example, you know, yeah. if you're a dairy pro provider, is the refrigeration system a point of risk for you if it's connected to the internet, for example, which is something we actually covered at Sands Institute when I ran their analyst program. Right. And a lot of that was happening and hackers could just literally turn off the dairy refrigerators for six hours. Nobody noticed it. They sell tainted dairy. Right. No, but then happen. again, you know, somebody who's not aware of how they can be attacked would say, well, I've got a refrigerator. I need to monitor it to make sure it doesn't go below temperature. Well, how am I going to do that? Right. So mm -hmm. that's why they would be led to that kind of approach. But then you're right. They need to look at, OK, if you're using that approach, what are the risks that it will be wrong? And how do you convince yourself that you're, you know, going to have the right measurements about the system? And even in an environment like that, it points to de DevOps as part of it. How do they develop that refrigerator system and its connection to the internet, for example? So right. that's our next question. You've got 14 risk categories in the system of trust. Uh, which ones do the developers of commercial code and embedded code need to focus on the most? Well, so the 14 top level, there's seven that are about the supplier. Okay. So that's things like the cybersecurity practices, physical security. It's basically the enterprise security in all its different aspects. Mm -hmm. So I, I would think part of that would be um, germane for a company that you're buying software from. So that would be, um, are people trained? Are they certified? Are they patched? Do they have malware running around their networks? All of that would be in looking at the supplier. Now, the other things in there, are they financially healthy and on other things like that? Are they in a tsunami zone? Those you probably don't need to worry about. Then in the product area, it's those three attributes I talked about, about you know, general good hygiene, malicious taint and counterfeit. There is where you know, a lot of the development and software production issues 
would be reflected, you know, that, you know, counterfeit. Well, do they have legitimate licensed, you know, modules and code, or is somebody getting it from a wrong repository or, you know, many um, gray market products don't have legitimately licensed, you know, windows running on them. So all of those would be over in the counterfeit area, but then uh, maliciously tainted would be, how do I know that somebody hasn't trojaned a library or a module or, or, and, and this isn't just in the initial delivery, it could be in the update and upgrade, you know, maintenance phase of, of the product. But I would say the bulk of the things are gonna be in that good hygiene area. So that's where you'll find references to CVEs and CWEs and DevSecOps type of activities. And what evidence do they have that those are being followed? And that feeds into a question about SBOMs. Do you see this uh, supporting SBOMs or SBOMs supporting attestations uh, on this system of trust? Yep. So. The way, um, similar to what I was talking about, the, the skit is, you know, where evidence about mitigations or avoidance of risks um, come into system of trust. That's the same thing for SBOMs. So SBOMs is someone who can produce an SBOM that can be verified, tells you they have a better handle on what's going into their product. And it also gives you visibility uh, yourself about what's in the product and lets your operations group monitor for new advisories or known exploits against things that are inside the things you're buying or fielding. So SBOMs I think are a key enabler and it also is a way to get transparency. Um, so some people care who's putting the software together. Mm -hmm. Some people don't, um, but neither can get a good handle on what's in there, what's supported and maintained, what's available for replacement if they don't know what the things are. Mm -hmm. So SBOM opens up that transparency and makes it available. It doesn't mean you have to take action on it, mm -hmm. but without it, you can't, you don't have a choice. So the other part of all of this is that attestations. That's so, what I was going to ask next. Perfect. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that that's basically why do you um, believe that the different kinds of risks that we talk about in the system of trust, which, by the way, is the same ones that the community has been talking about forever, you know, whether it be SANS or you know, you go to DEF CON and look at the, you know, the different discussions of look what I found. Um, or it's the NIST uh, set of recommendations or, you know, the, you know, all, all there's hundreds of these, right? Right. OWASP lists and so on, CWEs. The bottom line is that, um, Unless you, as the customer, have the code, ha have exactly the build environment, and you build it yourself, 
you're going to have to get some kind of attestation. Somebody's going to have to tell you what they did. So in skit, those are claims with supporting evidence. So those can be registered. They're, you know, archived in a local ledger that's confidential computing type of distributed hardware router trust, Mm -hmm. you know, chain. So append only. So there's a record record of what was done when, by whom. There's identity um, part of this because you don't want to get it from the, you know, if it's a claim about the build environment, you'd like it from the build machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this is part of the attestations that could be then rolled up now. I don't expect anyone to go put on their public page all that kind of evidence. But what they could do is have a third party come look through what they've done and make a conclusion or a summary statement of, you know, they followed the best practices, you know, and did the, you know, use the best of breed and, and then they post that into the ledger but it doesn't have to go in the company's private ledger. It can go in a public ledger with reference to the private ledger saying, I'm making this endorsement of what's over here. Mm-hmm. And that's what's now made more available. It still may only be to customers, mm-hmm. but it could, if they wanted, make it available to any potential customer as well. So that's where the business you know, environment will decide, you know, what's best practice about how much do you reveal, how detailed are your claims. Now, um, in the executive order and in, in the OMB and NIST answers to that, they say, you know, show compliance to the NIST SS um, Secure Software Development Framework. Okay, that's kind of a big, <laughs> big one check mark for something that's got thousands of options and details. Mm-hmm. Probably most people are going to want to do much more fine-grained uh, attestations. And we think Skit gives you the opportunity to do that, but not have it sitting out in a public place, but rather make it available to those that need it or those you want to give it to. So again, some people may put it on their public site, especially open source projects could do that. That's what I was thinking, open source, especially. Yep. Um, and you've actually uh, shared with me some basic architecture diagrams of how the SCITT format would come into play, how it would actually you know, be shared with others. And yep. in it, it includes intermediary registries for verification of claims. Um, the IETF information I read says that it won't run these. So who do you think would be these registry providers? Would it fall to repositories or? I think it's going to be all over the map. Um, So in one scenario that I've been talking about is that each industry member may keep one skit registry that they run internally. It's basically their tracking of their production, their product creation, mm-hmm. all the vetting and validation, all the details about the environment. 
So let's say you do it in the meat industry, right? So here's where they would say where the cow came from, the, you know, uh, how it was handled, you know, who was on staff when it was brought in for slaughter, who cleaned the machines, you know, when was the last time it was certified, what's the temperatures it was kept at, you know, all the gory details that a health inspector would come and look at, right? But mm -hmm. you could put it into the skit registry. And then when they start selling that meat, they're going to say, we followed good practice, and they could refer to their internal version in that summary message that now the meat buyers may be using. Now, sometimes they may want to validate that if they're going to buy, you know, 10,000 pounds, they may want to go do a site inspection. But so, and you can think the same thing for software or IoT device manufacturer who's loading things and um, making them available. So that's that first level. Now for small organizations, maybe somebody offers skit registry as a service mm -hmm. where they have partitioned areas where you can come in and use theirs. So that basically they're gonna record the same kind of paperwork they do now, but mm -hmm. instead of paperwork, it's gonna go into the registry and be retrievable for whatever audits and certifications. Now you have that fabric of everybody's got their own data about what they did. Mm -hmm. Now you've got probably um, biz, kind of um, business focused registries. So again, going to the uh, food industry, it could be that the Retail Federation for Food has a registry that mm -hmm. they um, let the individual suppliers put, you know, a summary endorsement of what's in their private so that people bidding on food stuff have the records available to them about what's where. Because the other part of this is SCIT has the ability to record policies. So I could put in that I will only allow in meat to my supermarket chain that has come with the following attestations from the and are do, endorsed by people who have, you know, met the food, uh, you know, uh, professional certification if or whatever there is. But I could, could put those criteria basically in there, and and then when someone from my um, supermarket chain tries to purchase food, it could go check that the, the registries of those items meet that criteria. And so it would say, nope, you can't buy from them. You know, they don't have sufficiently trained, certified food preparers, so we don't know if they, it was good. So the idea here is, you know, different industries would probably put this as a facilitator for the way their area does business. So this is not meant to replace and say, here's the cookie cutter for everyone. Hmm. It's rather, here's an enabler. Here's a way of getting out of the way of having checklists and paperwork and emails and proprietary, you know, uh, purchase systems being the only way you can convey this stuff. 
Oh yeah. And spreadsheets. Don't forget spreadsheets. Oh yes. Don't <laughs> spreadsheets. I also see this clearly as an enabler for DevSecOps. Have you done, do you have a, a secure development process? If you do, what is it? Are you doing binary and um, yep. you know, static analysis testing during development? Are you starting at the pre-development stage? Uh, do you have a secure environment for your developers? Um, all of that wrapped in with an SBOM, wrapped into a single registrar where you could go retrieve this information. Sounds like ultimately it will be very useful for buyers and developers of commercial. Yeah, but I think it'll make things more efficient for companies because you know anyone who's a provider of a product is also a consumer of everyone else's pieces that go into that product. Exactly. So they they it's hard for them to make a claim about the product if they don't understand the claims of others that you know, they're building upon. Yeah. And so that's where I've seen the um, energy and interest is that, you know, this is not just something that will make sense for the end consumer. It actually makes sense for almost all the business uh, players in, in the middle um, I haven't talked to everyone, so I don't know if it makes sense to everyone, but um, I presented a bunch of this yesterday at a panel um, here at the Industry IoT Consortium, and we had people from Johnson & Johnson and others, and they seemed to thought, think it made a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to talk to him more. <laughs> That's why you still have the badge hanging around your neck there, huh? Yeah, <laughs> still awesome. here. Well, thanks for reaching out to us during your conference in San Francisco where you've been speaking. I want to thank you for your time and for sharing this with us. Please keep us informed. Maybe we even need to have another video interview about updates down the road on this, especially how it uh, you know, relates to DevSecOps environments. Um, it's really great to be back in discussion with you again, Bob. And to our audience, I want to thank you for tuning in. And please check this webcast abstract where we will be providing links and resources around this topic. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the SciBeat Podcast with Deb Radcliffe, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.